0: Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by our guest speaker. title of my message is Building the Kingdom One Relationship at a Time. And this is a personal thing. This is things that I have failed in, that I've succeeded in. But we are in strange times with COVID. COVID had a few things that helped that were good. I did hear a lot of mothers say they enjoyed working from home because they were able to do multiple things. Um, I've heard men say it was great because they were able to spend more time with their children and their wives. But there were some bad things that COVID caused. It caused a complete isolation. It caused us to stay away. It stopped building relationships. Um, It taught us how to have virtual friends. A lot of people say they have friends, but they're all Facebook friends. And I hope that my word doesn't come down hard today because I really believe it's a word for us in the body of Christ that we cannot look like the world any longer. We need to look like the kingdom of God living here on the earth. But I believe the key character of the kingdom of God is moving forward is by having relationships one to another. Okay, a plug for small groups. If you want to build relationships, get into a small group. Get into Millie's group, into Deborah's group. I mean, there's, there's six of them. Get into a relationship and build it because it's all about the kingdom of God. From the beginning of time, from Genesis to Revelations, it talks about relationships. They are in every book of the Bible. You see conflicts that they had, but they were building relationships. It's all about relationships. Yes, Jesus is a big part of our relationship builder, but it's about relationships with other people as well. I've noticed even families have don't even eat time together. Now growing up in my my home, we ate dinner together every night and we got to talk about how our day went. We were invited over to our daughter Abby's house this week, and it was so interesting. She, we, they went around the table, you know. Georgiana, tell me how your day went. Caroline, tell me. Uh, Bryn, tell me how your day was. And you know, it was so important because they were listening and building relationships with their family. Dwight and I were at the restaurant once, and we walked in, and we sat down, and there was a family of five. Every member had their cell phone, and they were on it. There was no word spoken one to another till the waitress came up and took their order, and they went right back to this. We can't have that. That does not look like the picture of relationships that God wants us to have. Um, I know we're busy people. With technology, we get more busy. We've got sports home projects, extra work you have to do, home projects you want to get um, done, but we need to be intentional. And what I mean about that is you need to prioritize building relationships. Now, my husband thrives on relationships. He thrives on people. I don't need people, but I do need people. I draw my strength from my alone time He draws his strength from being around (laughs) y'all. We make a great couple. (laughs) But in America, loneliness has come at an epidemic proportion. I believe, this is my opinion, that is why the suicide rate is so high right now. It is everywhere. And even kids that are 9 and 10, 11 years old, it is totally an epidemic. In America, loneliness has tripled since 1985, at the time the computers became popular in homes. So that means, well wait a second, the survey that I read said nearly half millennials, so that's anybody born between 1981 and 1996, are feeling disconnected, lonely, and isolated. So that means any given Sunday, Half of you are sitting here desperate for friendships. Mm -hmm. It's not that people don't want relationships, but they take time and they take effort. They take honesty, honesty, authenticity. But you know friendships strengthen us for the journey that God's called you to. You know, we hear the Bibles of Moses. He could not have done what he didn't. What he did without two men coming alongside him and holding his arms up. We need one another. We can't do life without one another. But it's hard because we're all different. Do you think Dwight and I figured out how to get along when we first got married and everything? Not even knowing how different we were. till we found out how can we walk in tandem in our relationship with God and one another and see the kingdom of God look like kingdom of God here on earth. And I believe it's no wonder that we are not, that why we're seeing so many relationships in the body of Christ, totally broken. It shouldn't be that way. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a scripture that I want to read, and it's, from uh, Hebrews 10.25 in the TPT version. It says, this is not the time to pull away or neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. That was COVID. Mm -hmm. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other's onward as we anticipate the day of dawning. We need it. This is in the Bible. We want to withdraw. It's very easy to withdraw. And I'm going to talk about some ways we choose to withdraw and how we have to resist those things. But relationships were from the foundation of time. In Genesis 1.26 it says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That means there's other people from the foundations of earth. There was a love relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from the foundations of the earth. And I want to just quickly make that point that it was not man's thought, it was God's thought. The bottom line, we're not created to be alone. And in Genesis 2.18, it says, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for you. God brings people into our lives. That's right. It's just not meeting your spouse. It means there are people in your family, your neighbors, people at church that are our helpers. And to believe it or not, it's a gift. Right. Even though we have challenges with some of our relationships, they are still a gift. We need to see them as a gift. It's just like our children. Sometimes we don't see them as gifts. But they are gifts. And when we, we remember that, it's going to make the process of building healthy relationships so much easier. Relationships can teach us so many things. A couple of the few things is it teaches us, uh, it teaches us about sacrificial love. Compassion joy reconciliation forgiveness understanding and how to serve others jesus was the best example by far and that relationship needs to be the number one relationship that we have if we're going to build healthy relationships we need jesus our savior to be our very first friend if you don't know jesus You need to find Jesus because he will make a way in so many situations. And without Jesus, I wouldn't have the relationships that I have, but Jesus was the strength that I needed to be the person that God wanted me to be. See, Jesus laid down his life for us, and he showed us to look beyond ourselves. Jesus in John 15 says he's a friend of ours. He calls us his friend. And Jesus is the friend that will not fail you. Men will fail you. (laughs) Jesus will not fail you as you build these relationships. And I know some of this stuff's very basic, but I think we've gotten to the place that we've got to build relationships. It can be painful, it can be hard. But with Jesus, he will build the perfect relationship with you. So I want to look at a couple examples of friendship. It says, the Bible says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. That means that sometimes the people we love the most were not the friendliest to. Agree? Yeah. We know everything inside and out about them. But we still need to be those people who are friendly to others. It's a reaping and a sowing process. If I sow nastiness, I'm going to get nastiness back. If I show friendliness, I'm going to reap that friendliness. We need to do that because it's a biblical principle. And let's let's be really honest here. There are in relationships takers Mm -hmm. and givers. And it is hard to be in a relationship with a taker. But that doesn't mean we don't have to still be and do what God tells us to do. It doesn't mean that you have to be in that close-knit relationship. You just need to be very aware of what God's doing in and through you. We all want friends, but because we have had failed attempts, we have old wounds, we have insecurities, we have assumptions, we have busy schedules, we fail to prioritize building relationships. And this can even be in a marriage situation where we get all those circumstances that we can't even build a healthy relationship with our own spouse. But no one will ever meet the need like Jesus. No one will meet the need like Jesus. Early in my marriage, I had this grand idea that when I got married that Dwight was going to meet every one of my needs. He was going to make me happy. He was going to make me rich. (laughs) Well, we know that didn't happen. Um, He was going to take the pain away in my life. We cannot put on people to meet every one of our needs. There is no way Dwight can meet, meet that need in me. And the truth is, I tried to do it for a while. It was dangerous. It was frustrating. Jesus was the only one who can meet every one of those needs. But God does use people that he places in our life to help us through it. God has given me very six close friendships, and I thank God for them. It's taken me time to watch them, to watch their character, their confidentiality, allowing me to be who I am and not judging me. But this inner circle of mine has been given permission to ask me the hard and the tough questions, and I allow them to speak into my life.
1: I have friends
0: who I break bread with, but we all need those friends. We need those friends that you can call any time of the day or night, and they would love to receive your call because they're your friend. Friends who leave you refreshed and rejuvenated. We've all had those friends that suck the life out of you. Let me encourage you. Here in the body of Christ, we need to encourage people to be refreshed and re-energized. There's a world out there that's crazy right now, but we need to be the people that refresh and re-energize those. I have a friend that I can call any time of day. And I say, can you pray for me? And they don't say, yeah, I'll pray for you later. They pray for me right then and there. That's the friend that we need. The moment was real. It was now. I needed prayer. I have a friend that I can cry with and rejoice with. I have friends that you can express your frustration and anger with, and they're still going to stand beside you. They don't turn their back because you're being honest and real and it doesn't look like the pretty Christian thing to say or feel. We all need to have these types of friends in our life, those who will stand with us. I have one friend that makes me laugh so hard. I have tears running down my leg. Now, for you men, you may not understand that, but the women in this house do. It's Mary, a heart. A merry heart is like a medicine. We need to have those friends that you can laugh with. You can just tell stories about yourself that you've done, and you can laugh at it. We all need these relationships. And if you don't have them, I want to encourage you, let's pursue finding those relationships. I have friends who speak the truth to me, the ones that will say, you know, Tammy, I heard you talking to so-and-so, and and, wow, you were really a little harsh on him. We need those friends. What about the friend who says, hey, do you want a mint? (laughs) We all need those, right? Come on, we do. These are all different types of relationships that God has right in front of us. We just haven't all seen them yet. we all seen the situation with Will Smith at the Emmy Awards, correct? Okay, Denzel Washington was a friend of Will's when he went up and smacked Chris Rock. And this is what Denzel said. He was a friend of Will Smith, and he said, at your highest moments, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. And what a friend that would say that to somebody that was on TV all around the world. We need those friends. They're not out to harm us. Yeah, there's going to be some friends who want to harm you. You need to choose those friends and say, you know, I'll pray for you, but I'm not asking you to stay in relationships that are harmful. You need to really know what God wants you to do. In Proverbs 27, verse 6 in the Amplified, it says, A faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve a hidden hidden agenda. Tough love is not flattery. We can't have people, as Dwight and I call them, yes people always saying yes to you because they're afraid to say the truth to you because you're going to get mad and, and leave the relationship. We've all had those. But we need objective people in our lives to help us fulfill our call and destiny in life. Years ago, I want to say maybe 15 years ago, I don't know, time goes so fast now. Um, I was in a situation and I needed to have a reality check. And so I asked three very gut-honest daughters (laughs) to go to dinner with me. And I I wanted to hear the truth. And you know why I asked them? Because they know me better than you know me. I wanted to get a grip on situations that was causing me to falter. And they were not evil. They were not malice in them. But when I asked them, they spoke the truth. It changed the direction of my life. And it hurt. But it was so good. (laughs) It was so good. The thing is, I had to make a choice, though. Am I going to do and try to step out in those things? And not only that, then I asked them, tell me something good I did. And they came back with stuff. Don't let the enemy get you stuck in that, because people who know you inside and out will speak the truth in love. They did it in love. I needed to listen more. They were tired of me preaching to them. See, when they were little, I could preach to them. But they needed a friend who would listen, validate them. Really, that's what a lot of us want, is validation when we share things. We don't want a solution. We just want somebody to hear us out and then pray for us. King Solomon explained it very well. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, and that's Proverbs 27:17. God places us. Have you ever tried to cut a tomato with a dull knife? No. It just squirts everywhere. When you have a fresh knife and it's sharp and you cut a tomato, it goes straight through. And it's because we need one another. Right. It's in the Bible. We sharpen one another. It's painful. Sometimes the, the point of the knife can hurt, but you will reap the benefits of a nice slice of tomato people are going to be able to hear what you have to say when we can look into ourselves. But remember, Jesus is still your friend in all these circumstances. We need friends who hold us accountable. Now I say this, the goal of accountability is not behavior modification, but rather a life worthy of the Lord. I don't want you to modify and just change when you're around this friend, you're going to act this way, or you're going to act this way around another friend. It's not modifying it. It's living a life looking like the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to live. Period. Colossians 1.10 says, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We all want good fruit. And it takes people to come alongside us and help us get that good fruit. Do you know every time I share with my friends, it's not always the good things. It's the struggles I face. It's the things that I'm going through. They're the ones encouraging me, challenging me. You know, we've all been hurt. I've had my own hurts, And I can choose to stay there or I can choose to move on. Some were harder to move on, but I chose to stay in because I know that this is what God had. Let's look at uh, Ruth and Naomi in the Bible and see how they developed a good relationship. Both Naomi and Ruth had tragedies in their life. They both lost people that they dearly loved. And the Bible says, in Ruth 1, 14 through 18, it says, And again they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You shall do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. And wherever you die, I will be there to be buried. This scripture is in so many weddings. It has such a love feel to it. It takes commitment. There was a longing that Ruth and Naomi had. There were, there were, there were things that brought them together, and death, but yet you see such a love of faithfulness. She, Naomi had said to Ruth, I have nothing to give you. I don't have another son for you to marry. I don't have riches. I don't have a home at this point. You need to go back. But Ruth, because she was faithful and she remained loyal, God did many miracles in that relationship and in their personal lives. Lasting bonds of friendship when we choose to walk hand-in-hand with people through the deepest, darkest trials of life is what God asks us to do, even when it gets messy. There is no perfect life out there. Mine's not perfect. Pastor Dwight's is not perfect. But we need people to walk alongside us when it might get a little messy. We need you. We need one another. Amen? Amen. Friendships, though, don't develop through convenience. They grow by devotion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to look back and say, am I devoted to this friendship, or is it only going to be what I want it to be because it's about me? We don't want that. This is not to be a heavy message, but I'm telling you, this is such an important season we're in right now. And deepening a relationship takes time, takes effort, and it takes energy. It's not to be heavy, but it's to help us. We have to come outside of our busy schedule and think of how do I build this relationship. And because you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit will guide you in what you need to do to build relationships. We need to be intentional. We need to be purposeful. When God drops something in my spirit, I try right away to send a text to that person that the Lord has just put you on my heart all day and I need to send a text out. We need to build times that we're spending time together. If it's not going out for a meal or coming to your home, go for a walk together. Build the relationships. Good friendships, good godly friendships move us when we're stuck in the mud of life. We can't, you know, I don't know about quicksand, but I don't think you can get out by yourself if you're stuck. But if you had friends there alongside you pulling you out, you would be able to come out of it. We need one another. I'm thankful that God has given me many good friends. When um, Abby was diagnosed at four um, years old, Um, with diabetes, it was devastating to me. Prior to that, God has been calling us into the mission field. The first mission trip that we had taken was to the Ukraine. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I have three little girls. Who is going to want to take care of a four-year-old? Shots, blood checks, this and that. Watching how many carbs versus how many sweets and knowing how much insulin to give and doing the math. And I had a friend, Beth Gibson. She came to us and pr- we were praying, Lord, am I to go on this trip? Do I need to stay home with my kids? And she said the Lord spoke to her and told her, I will keep Abby for the three weeks that you're gone. She goes, I will take the classes that I need to take at the hospital. That's a friend oh, did I mention she had three little children of her own? <laughs> I'm telling you, that was a God changer for me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. She fulfilled a prophetic word that she didn't even know that was over us, that God was going to call us out and he would take care of my children. They shall not die. I could go because my prophetic word said somebody would come along and that they wouldn't die. That's right. I had a sister Uh, Jill, after I gave birth to Abby, I got a staph infection in my entire body and I was whisked back into the hospital for a week. Dwight had to be back to work. I still had two other little kids then. And all Dwight said, I had to call your sister and say, I need you. I can't do this. I need you. My sister got on that plane and she flew and took care of my kids, of my house. She stepped in and did what needed to be done. How many of us are willing to do what needs to be done? Oh, did I mention to you she left three children in Texas with her husband? It was a sacrifice. It was a time that took away from their goals and their purposes that they had in life. They were great friends, and you know why? Because they cared for what cared for me. It wasn't about what they felt like they were doing because they knew they weren't going to get any great rewards. (laughs) But in heaven, they did it because they knew this is what friends do for one another. Okay, let's continue. (laughs) And Ruth, and see how God honored Ruth for her faithfulness. Faithfulness is so good. It says, now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband. But one day... Ruth said to Naomi, let me go out to the fields to pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is is kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. I wanna point something out to her, uh, to you guys. She didn't call her daughter-in-law. She called her daughter. There is a change that takes place when you are building relationships, that you're no longer an in-law, you're family. That's right. So Ruth went out to gather the grain behind the harvester. She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. Now Ruth's faithful now. Then Boaz asked his foreman, what is that young woman over there, or who is that woman over there? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters and she has been hard at work ever since. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young woman working in the field. So which part of the field that they are, see which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly and when you are thirsty help yourself to water. There's protection in this, too, in your faithfulness. That's right. There's a protection that we have. Family and protection. But Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. She's in pain. She's got her own stuff going on, but she still went to help Naomi, yeah. and people noticed. That's right. People are watching out there, out there. People are watching. You're the Jesus that they see every time you walk out those doors. I have heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. God's the rewarder. God will reward you for your faithfulness in relationships. We need to come alongside people who are hurting. Naomi was hurting. Ruth was hurting. But she still chose to come alongside Naomi. And she showed the love of God. Naomi, we can't put away the fact that we need to be people who are still showing love in the midst of our hard times and our challenges. <laughs> friendships are not formed by what we get or receive; That's right. mm-hmm. they are formed by what we give without expecting anything back. That's right. Amen. I want to say that again: friendships are not formed by what we get. Receive. They're formed by what we give without expecting anything back. So many times, this is the mentality the world has. What am I going to get back if I do that? What am I going to get back? Am I going to gain something from this? Will I get a gift from them? You know, will I get an extra, you know, time off? No. You do what you do without expecting anything back. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a marriage, This is good wisdom, (laughs) very good wisdom. But I want to take another look at building the power of forgiveness in a friendship. Building lasting friendships must require forgiveness. Building lasting, okay, I'm going to go with this. I just read this, and so I had to throw this in here. John Brevere said this. By choosing forgiveness, we refuse to worship our feelings. Oh, Ouch. Oh, that's good. That's good. I will say that again because it really ministered to me. I hope it ministers to you. By choosing forgiveness, we refuse to worship our feelings. That's you may think the walls you built around your heart are to protect you, but your self-preservation can lead to selfishness that turns our hearts to stone. I was wounded once and I isolated myself. I had had all I could had in the relationship. I was done with it. A pastor's wife, come on. Yeah, I'm human. And I built walls because I didn't want to be hurt anymore. So I took a brick here and put this brick here. And I took another brick and put that brick there. And it got to the point, my words to Dwight, I'm, I'm not doing this again. I don't want to be hurt again. But The Lord knew that I couldn't stay there. And he bugged me and bugged me till I could knock that wall down. The pain was hurt to the point that it was physical heartache. I don't know if any of you have had that. My heart physically ached because I hurt so bad by what people were saying what people have done to me. But you know who's in bondage? I was in bondage by not forgiving them. They could probably have cared less. But I needed to have God help me walk out forgiveness. Because I self-protected, I then became very isolated from people. Not healthy. It wasn't healthy at all. Friendships can be very painful, and they can cause our hearts to hurt. But I want to encourage you, do not build the walls that I built. Knock those walls down quickly. Ask Jesus to help you knock them down. It was the friends, my inner circle, that helped me get healed. We need friends. I couldn't do it alone. I was Moses. I had six people. My problem was really big. I had six people, three in one arm, three in the other. They were helping me work through it. There were lies that were spoken about me. And I built another wall. Don't let that happen. God's got too much for us Amen. to stay in that prison of unforgiveness. If you're going to have a friendship, of any length, you need to put forgiveness in the equation. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18 says, if a friend sins against you, go to them. That means privately. Don't talk to others about it. Right. It's so important that we go Now, you go because you do what's right. You don't go thinking they're going to do or say what you want them to say, because you probably aren't going to get to hear what you want to hear or what you need to hear. We need to come to a place that you do that right living. You want to have that fruit in your life. You do what you know the Bible says to do. Go to the one who has hurt you privately. That's Tammy's words, but I'm sure that the Bible doesn't want us to shout it out. But I also learned this. It's people who hurt us, but it's also people who bring healing to us. See, I was so focused on the hurt that I couldn't see that God surrounded me with six people that just loved me and brought me back to a stable place. Yes, Jesus was there with us but I needed flesh and blood in those times. God gives us flesh and blood or we wouldn't have the scriptures that we have about friendship in the Bible. We are responsible for our actions and our reactions in our relationships and that means also in a marriage. Remember when God forgives us it's like we've never sinned. We need to take and apply that to our relationships that we have with other people. We have ideas of what a perfect relationship looks like, but I've learned this. We're perfectly imperfect people. We're perfectly imperfect people. And when you can realize that we're not a perfect people, God's with us. We don't judge people as hard when we realize I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. I'm not going to put myself up here and you down here. But Paul offers this definition of friendship in Colossians 3, um, verse 12 through 15 in the NLT. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 13 Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all else, did I read this? (laughs) Above all else, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, that's us, you are called to live in peace and be thankful. Offenses will come. Do not take the bait of Satan. It is a trap to get you and to divide the body of Jesus Christ. It's a trap to divide you with your children and your home. It's a trap to divide a husband and a wife from each other. It's a trap to divide friends from one another. Don't take the offense. Go to your brother. Go to your sister and, and share with them what you're feeling, make every effort to stay at peace. I'm not saying nowadays it's it's easy. It's hard to stay at peace, but work at it. Because you can't do it in your own strength, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit that can help you through all those times. Because it's a supernatural love that we get. And that He can give the Holy Spirit even when you don't want to forgive. Sometimes we want to hold on to that frustration or the unforgiveness, but the Holy Spirit can come right on down and He can help you through it. I want to look at some biblical um, friendships look like. Very short here, but it says in 1st Samuel, the story of Jonathan and David. Jonathan showed great encouragement to one another. Jonathan and David had great encouragement one for another. And Jonathan told David, you need to find strength in the Lord. That's what we need to tell our friends, the people around us, the people at work, that you're just building relationships with. Find strength in God. Let us be the encouragers in relationships. See, Jonathan's dad, Saul, was trying to kill Jonathan's good friend because he was angry and jealous. But Jonathan, it says in 1 Samuel 23, 16, it says that Jonathan went and found David to encourage to stay strong in his faith and not to be afraid. What I got out of that message was that they went and they found him. It's an action. We need to be proactive and go when something's on your heart, when you see someone hurting, go. He went and he found David at the cost of Jonathan being killed because you weren't supposed to be around David any longer. It cost Jonathan something, the, possibly losing his life, but he still chose to go and encourage and find him and the faith of his God. Let me encourage you. David, you're going to make it. Don't be afraid. I know you see armies out there, who you're surrounded by, but Jesus is surrounding you. God's surrounding you. We all need that encouragement. It was a big risk for Jonathan and all of that. I had read a study, and it said psychologists have said love, loyalty, and emotional openness are essential traits for a thriving friendship. Love, loyalty, emotional openness are essential traits for a thriving friendship. We need to be real with people. So many times we want people to think we have it all together Mm -hmm. and Facebook has not helped that. Do you ever notice how everybody looks perfect on Facebook? There's not a hair out of place, their makeup's done. You got the prettiest smile, the beautifulest angle. We need to be real and authentic. Some days we get up and we don't look great. And you need to be able to be honest and real. But for people to be honest and real with you, they need to not sense judgment from you. Right. Right. The world's judging them. They don't need the people in the body of Christ to be judging people. It's just where they're at. Mary and Elizabeth had a great friendship. They both experienced very difficult pregnancies but they were still in the same season of life. Age does not matter. I know when you're young, you think you only wanna hang with the young people. Age doesn't matter as you get older. There's things that you can glean from them. Elizabeth was beyond child-bearing years. That would be from my age to Millie's age. I mean, I don't know that I could have handled a pregnancy at my old age. But they both needed a friend. Mary was an unwed teenager. Now today, it's not as looked down upon like it was back in the biblical days. They were really looked down, but they had a bond. They had a bond, one with another. The Lord gave them one another in this friendship. Mary being the younger friend, it says in Luke 139 that she sought out Elizabeth when she was pregnant. We need to seek people out when we're going through things. Mm-hmm. Mary sought out Elizabeth. Mary was blessed that Elizabeth could celebrate with her, wow. Right. Celebrate an unwed pregnant teenager that Elizabeth could celebrate with her. We need to see what that looks like in our life. The Bible tells us that Mary stayed three months with Elizabeth and Elizabeth poured in to Mary. That had to be, I wish I could have been a fly in the wall. Can you imagine Elizabeth all these years waiting to get pregnant but yet They were pregnant both for their first pregnancy, and Elizabeth just poured into Mary. Maybe encouragement. How's this gonna look? We need those in our lives. Elizabeth had a great heart of hospitality. She kept her for three months. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) I just got rid of company for um, 15 days. I cooked breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I wasn't even pregnant. But Elizabeth was pregnant and did it with such greatness. Three months. Would you open your home for three months? It got quiet. There was a gift that Elizabeth had, and it was hospitality. I open my home because I want real, authentic relationships, because you will see that it's not perfect in the Bennett household. The house is not always put together, and it's gotten worse the older I've gotten. Dwight says, I'm cleaning more. Yeah. I just used to multitask. I can't multitask like I used to. It's a lot harder. Can I get an amen out there? But opening our homes is such a great way to build friendships. We don't care what the food tastes like. Really, we're more concerned with this. If you can't cook, order a pizza. You know? God is more concerned about the relationships than it is about the food. Okay, one of the other truths that I have in building a godly relationship is who are you listening to? Let's look at two women who got handpicked, and who they were listening to. Eve was Adam's wife. She was hand-picked by God in Genesis 3. She was listening to the serpent who was the shrewdest of all animals the Lord made. The serpent always questioned Eve. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree? And Eve said, everything except the tree in the middle of the garden, or touch it, or you will die. And the serpent said to Eve, you won't die. The serpent was lying, deceiving, and not truthful. And Eve believed the lie. But Mary was also handpicked of God, but a different response in Luke 1:28. It says Mary had visit, had a visit from Gabriel the angel and he told her the Lord is with you and will have great favor from God. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you will name him Jesus. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am still a virgin. Mary was confused. She was disturbed by this. Yet had a conversation with the angel. To break off communication or bad communication, you need to have communication. And a communication goes both ways. We need to learn to be better communicators. Mary asked questions in a conversation and she said this, I will accept whatever God has for me. Now, we need to surround ourselves with godly relationships to help us have healthy and godly insight in our lives. That comes from the heart of God, not the heart of man. The heart of man was Eve, the serpent. Mary listened to the heart of God, Gabriel the angel. You need to make sure who you're listening to. We don't want people to surround us who are going to comfort our flesh. And I'm saying when you go to somebody, do it in love. I burn bridges because I didn't do it. I'm a black and white person. I'm just short and to the point. I hurt people that way. I needed to do it out of the compassion of Jesus Christ that would be received and not out of a harshness. The difference between Eve and Mary was not their ability to hear, but who they were listening to. Are we surrounding ourselves with people who are going to comfort our flesh, or who who have the best interest in their heart for us? This whole message brought me to the main point. There are three blueprints, three key relationship types that the Bible speaks of. Hang on, I'm almost done. You're going to make it. I guarantee you. Um, The first relationship is we need friends who are older and full of wisdom we would refer to that person maybe as a Paul and Elizabeth. Paul had life experience. Paul was in prison. Paul got transformed on the road to Damascus. Paul uh, would go to the churches and share his experiences and his things that he would see um, insightful. Elizabeth, hey, I wish I had the years of 80 years before I had my first kid. Wow, my kids wouldn't need prayer ministry. I mean, let's face it, if I could have all this knowledge and have my first daughter, that would have been fabulous. But it didn't happen that way. That's why God gave us friends who were older and wiser. And I remember a situation, I, 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 you do know me, if you do know me well, I, this is not my forte. So not my forte, speaking in front of people. I remember years ago when we became senior pastors, and I went to Millie and said, I don't it. I said, I am too scared. I can't do this. And you know what a woman of wisdom said? Then do it scared. (laughs) You know, she didn't say what I wanted to hear. I thought I wanted to hear, oh, Tammy, I understand. That's okay. You don't have to do it. No. Millie knew I had a destiny. And Millie spoke into my life and said, then do it, but do it scared. It's not what I wanted to hear, but it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free. Millie had life experiences. Those were beneficial for me. There are people around you that have life experience that are beneficial for you. They're the ones who cheer you on, who encourage you in these times. And they share with us things that they've drawn on their life experiences to help us avoid the pain of mistakes. There's people out there who want to help you avoid mistakes. That is so God. The second friend we need in our life is a Paul or a Ruth. I'm sorry, a Barnabas or a Ruth. Somebody is at the same relationship level you are with someone like interest, friends who you can be accountable to, someone that I can say, hey, Beth, I'm struggling with this, and she'll call me or she'll text me, how are you doing on that? Four months might go by and she'll come back and say, hey, how are you doing in this situation? We're at the same place. We have the same life experiences. Hey, I think I'm going to throw this in here. Do you know Beth is younger than me? Age doesn't matter either. It's the amount of years that you've experienced, Jesus, that you have the wisdom. There's ones at our same level who will pray with us and love us enough to speak the honest truth and love and then you're willing to listen to it. Had I not listened to what Millie said, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't have done it scared. I would have just sat down and not done anything. We need to do what people say to us if you know they're wise and have wisdom. And I know Millie is a woman full of wisdom. We have friends that we can cry with on our second, our second people, cry with us in our life's challenges, It's the type of friendship, the second friendship is the type of friendship that strengthens both people in the relationship. So you can move into your calling of God. That's right. The wisdom ones, same level. You both both are being encouraged to walk out the calling of God in your life. And the third friend we need is what I call the friend who you pour into to make them stronger in the kingdom. These are the people you reproduce your life into like a Timothy and a Mary. This person is someone younger, less experienced, yet who has the potential to do great things maybe even greater than you. If you have that mentality, we're to push and lift people up, to push and encourage them up, because there's a destiny and a call in their life, and it could be even greater than yours. In Romans 12.10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, and honor giving preference to one another. I just read that one. I didn't. Okay, 2nd 2 Timothy 2:2. 2, 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. God's telling us in his word we need to teach these things to other people. Right. This is discipleship here. Mm-hmm. You get them saved and you disciple them. We need to surround ourselves with many different friends who can give us things that we need to be and to fulfill the call of God in our lives. If we fail to reproduce others that we pour into, we will end up like the Dead Sea. Nothing's going out, nothing's coming in. But do you know, reproduction brings life. It's like having a baby. We had midwives surrounding us to help us deliver a baby. But we need to become spiritual midwives. Helping others birth their destiny that God has for them and not allowing them to do it alone. Men, when I was pregnant, I was in a transition ready to give birth to Megan. And I had a natural birth, I didn't have any drugs, I didn't have an IV, because I was crazy back then, and this is what I chose. And um, I remember Dwight um, wasn't breathing correctly with me, and I let him know it. (laughs) I grabbed his shirt, and I pulled it down, and said, breathe! (laughs) Poor guy was breathing, it was me, I, I needed help. But the truth of it is, is men, Some of you need to grab some Timothys by the shirt and tell them that you're gonna make it. This isn't just for women, this is for men. You need to grab a Timothy and you need to say, you're gonna make it. I'm here with you, I'm gonna hold your arms up, I'm not letting you hang, and it might look messy, but you will eventually get out of the the stream of messiness into the righteousness of God. But we need one another. Yeah, we only build the kingdom one relationship at a time. Right. That's right. We need one another. Yeah. We can't do this alone. God never intended it. Throughout the whole Bible, it's about people. Right. If you've heard my message today, um, is James Chidi here? Can you hit the keys for me, please? If you're here, and any of this has spoken to you, because you've had a hard time forgiving friendships and relationships that have left you wounded, because unless you move on to forgive, it's gonna carry to the next friendship you have. It doesn't just stay there, it carries on. I am not saying that you are to continue a relationship that has been hurtful and painful. What I'm saying is you need to acknowledge it and allow God to come and heal. You might have the memory, but Jesus is the only person who can take the pain away of hurt relationships. Or you one who doesn't want to build walls anymore around people. You want to build healthy foundation not walls that block people out, that you isolate people? You don't want that type of relationship anymore. Or do you need courage to have an authentic, real personality with other people, knowing that they might not like what they see on the other end? But if we're all children of God, we all have our own faults in one way or another. But if that's you today, you want to be able to forgive. You don't want to longer build walls and isolate yourself from relationships. Or if you need courage to be real and honest and transparent in your relationships, I want you to stand now so we can pray. know the pain that it is to be honest with yourself. It took three daughters to tell me that, but Jesus loves you. He's authentic with us. He wants to be authentic with you. Father God, we come to you today, we're being gut honest, we're being real Lord, and I ask for every person here that you will meet that need that they need. You know what it is. Father, if it's healing, I pray for healing that you would just go in and you would begin to massage the heart that has been hardened will now crumble and be a heart of flesh. Father, let things move out and you move in. You you invade the areas of their hearts that need more of Jesus right now. They can't do it on their own. They need you, oh God, to move in a powerful way. Give them strength to forgive when they do not want to forgive. Give them the strength to just say, I choose today to forgive. And Lord, let it continue to grow in their life and in their hearts. And for those people, like myself, built walls, and I've isolated myself from relationships and friendships because I didn't want to be hurt, we break down those walls in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask God that you would just crumble those walls, that, Father, we would choose to not isolate people um, from our lives because we could miss out on some of the best relationships we ever have. Father, I pray that you would just begin to dismantle every lie that the enemy has told us. And Lord, let their foundation be built on truth of your word of God. And Father, for those who need courage to be honest and to be real in relationships, without fear of what others will think, we ask God that you will come and give them the courage of David. That there's the giant that needs slayed in their life David looked at Goliath, Father. Let them look at their enemy and slay the enemy and say, I am no longer going to be fake and phony. I'm going to be real, honest, and transparent. We ask God for you to move. And I lift each and every one of these up, Father. That you would move in a way that even these next weeks there will be transformation because you are a God of transformation. You can transform the broken to be healed. We ask that you go and do what God only you can do. In the name of my friend, Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.